Welcome to Single Mom MD. We bond together in this community to help single moms, both MDs and DOs, get the support we need when we need it. I'm Dr. Gail Clifford, and I'm here to help my colleagues have an easier time of it than I did. Enjoy the podcast and join us in the Single Mom MD community. Pick up our article, Genius Things to Do on Sunday for a Successful Week at Work, at singlemommd.org backslash mom. So I want to take this moment to welcome my dear colleague, Dr. Pranay Parikh. He and I had met when I took the Passive Income MD program and learned a ton about passive real estate. He is one of the founders of Ascent uh, Realty, and I've done, I think I've just done my third deal with you guys, or maybe, I think maybe even the fourth, because I've gone into Goodyear, Arizona. Mm -hmm. So uh, Parit has his own program that is so well aligned for single mom physicians. And for those of us who feel as though we never have enough time, we're overwhelmed by the lack of time. He's got some great ideas for us. So he'll also talk with us today, I think, about the feeling of not, the sense that we have that we're feeling like we're not quite enough and how important it is to not necessarily be doing all the things Parikh is doing, but do the things that are most important to us. So welcome, Dr. Parikh Pranay. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, so excited to chat. I know you're busy globetrotting, so thank you for making some time. <laughs> so glad that we were able to do this before I took off for my next trip. You're awesome. So tell me how you got started. I think you, like me, were, were born in Maryland, but you got to California when I ended up in Florida. How, how did that all happen? Yeah, so uh, I have, I've always been really doing a lot of stuff. Uh, and uh, just like my dad, you know, my dad's an engineer, but he owned a limo company at one time, a bunch of condos. He runs an ice cream store now. Um, oh, he's fine. retired from engineering. And so I've kind of been doing a lot too, you know, uh, and, uh, but when you're in medical school, I used to do some art shows, uh, raising money for Doctors Without Borders. And I always, even in residency, I always wanted, I was doing some research with cardiology, some research with sleep, always wanted to keep my mind fresh and exciting. Uh, but, you know, it, medicine has a way to kind of round out all your corners. Uh, and so when I graduated, I realized I really had nothing else going on. And so uh, I thought, hey, I need to figure out how to do my finances. So I might as well learn something and do something interesting outside of medicine. And that's why I picked up real estate. I did my own real estate for a while and just realized that I wasn't able to scale up, right? Each hour of extra real estate needed an hour extra of my time. And that's when I found syndications. I realized that, hey, there's not a lot of education out there. Uh, and people keep coming to me, how to invest in syndications, keep coming to Peter. And I said, hey, Peter, we should get together, create a course, Passive Real Estate Academy that you took. Yeah. Uh, and our goal is really just to help people, right? help people get to their goals. And so we created that course. And eventually over time, people said, Hey, you know, we, we understand this stuff now, but we still don't want to do it. We'd rather you do it for us and we can invest with you. And we all kind of get together as physicians and kind of throw our weight around. And that's how Ascent Equity Group got invented. 
It's a wonderful thing. And I know I, we should mention Myth as the third peg of that mm -hmm. stool to make sure that he's he's brought in. And I'm trying to remember if Myth is actually a physician or if he's just your math guy. He is. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So he's a hospitalist as well. Um, also our numbers guy. He went to Stanford, uh, then graduated and went to Mitz, uh, Pittsburgh. So uh, yeah, he's the kind of analytical part of our group. It's a really wonderful thing. And I know for most of my listeners, we're talking like at the 50,000 feet level because they're still at the point where they're they're still a year or two out of residency. They're usually single moms with a couple of kids, uh, maybe more, but they're just struggling trying to get their feet under them. So I'm trying to get them to the point to overcome the overwhelm of not feeling like you have enough time, support, or money. And then once you get that under control, that's when I think you could really get on to the, the real estate academy and learn about real estate syndication. So you can have people like you and Peter and Myth and Ascent um, and other sponsors as well. But make sure you go through the process of learning different ways to expand your, your money and your wealth and try and do it in a way that you feel safe because it's people that like you are still lifelong learners and checking things out, but aren't necessarily the guys that are coming to you and saying, oh, I can promise you an equity, like a two X equity multiple. And you're like, really? That seems like a lot of money to promise in a three-year period where somebody like you or Peter or Myth is like, okay, I buy it. You've been where I am. You know how important it is for me to save the money that I have been willing to commit to my my wealth growth. Um, so I think that helps a lot. So how is it, was it more, I know I actually learned the sleep um, equation from you. Is it 10, I'm, now I'm, I put myself on the spot by saying, so it's 10 hours before you go to bed that you have to stop coffee and does that sound familiar to you or is it eight hours? Yeah, yeah. Well, so a lot of, uh, and I'm one of those, um, there's fast metabolizers of caffeine. My wife will literally have coffee before she goes to bed and sleep awesome. like an angel. But uh, other people like myself uh, that are slow meta metabolizers of coffee. So I can't have any coffee afternoon. Otherwise, I'll be up till 2, 3, 4 a.m. So the, the half-life is anywhere from 10 to 12 hours of coffee. Uh, so, uh, lately I've been drinking a lot more, so I've been increasing my, uh, tolerance, but, uh, that is short-term, right. And especially if you don't drink coffee, I didn't, I went through med school residency, attending life. I didn't drink coffee. Um, and lately I've been doing it more for fun than the, the caffeine hit that a lot of people use it for. Okay. So it's not just because you're working as a nocturnist, a nocturnal hospitalist, or because you're now the father of two, it's, it's uh, the it's taste a of the coffee. Uh, a little bit of both. Uh, okay. I have two kids under two and a half. Uh, and it is, I feel like I haven't gotten eight hours of sleep until since they've been born <laughs> two years ago. That makes perfect sense to me. It's just, I, I remember thinking when I was a new mom, I'm like, how in the world do people that don't survive residency ever survive this? It's such a different experience. So yeah, it, it's, yeah, go ahead. No, tell me more. Yeah, and it, it's a it's a black hole, right? Uh, in a good way, right? You could the more time you spend with kids, the better. But it's also like, hey, I have a lot of other stuff to do. It's so true. So I think that is the best segue to let you take over and say, okay, so when you have all of these things to do, because you do have all these interests, and it's important to vary your interests, not only 
from medicine and even our interest within medicine, you know, what we do in addition to our patients, in addition to our hospitalist work, whether it's nocturnist, but committee work, other things that are going to keep us professionally fulfilled and continuing medical education, but then how else to nourish our soul and also our right brain, whether it's artwork like you did for Doctors Without Borders or family time. So I really like, you've been sending emails out recently with your new program, and I like what you had to say about making sure that you're making time and, and ways that you can help us save four and five hours a week. Yeah, yeah. So I realized, uh, and I go to a lot of conferences, I talk to a lot of physicians that before they even realize that they want to do real estate or really anything outside of medicine, I have a couple objections. Hey, Pranay, I'm just a doctor. Do you think I can really do anything else? Uh, two, I don't really know what to do, where to go. And three, I don't have any time, even if I knew all of that stuff. And so the program's really to help with that. Uh, and it's because we physicians like to have kind of well-worn path, right? We want, you know, we had intern year or we had medical school intern year, residency attending life, right? And we like to follow things that have been proven as evidence back. So I really had to, do, you know, I read 30 books, did went through all these studies and tried to make it in a way that's very understandable. So, you know, I'm going to every once in a while refer to a study, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to quote them, not going to throw a bunch of numbers in it. And it's in a way that's very actionable and practical. Um, and so there's kind of four parts. Uh, and the first part is to realize that you're more than just a doctor. Uh, a lot of people come to me and they'd be like, hey, Pranay, I'm just an ER doc, for example. You think I can handle this? And uh, every day you literally take care of people that could be dying. You have a crazy uh, ability to diagnose and treat people like you, those skills in medicine carry over to a lot of things. But when we go so deep into something like medicine, it feels like we can't do anything else. And I think it's just as important to diversify your identity as it is to diversify your income streams, which I'm sure you know of, and a lot of people talk about, but what happens if you can't practice medicine for whatever reason? which happened to me when my hospitalist group got kicked out because the hospital, the whole hospital got bought out by private equity. And wow. it has you questioning, not just what you're going to do, but kind of who you are, right? If you spend every waking minute getting into something, doing something, and you can't do that any longer, it makes you wonder, what am I? Who am I? And I think before, at some point, you're going to have to diversify outside of being a doctor and it's better to do it on your own terms than when the world makes you do it for you. That makes perfect sense. And I, and I love that way of making sure that we maintain our own identity so that we're more than doctors. We're more than parents. We still have to be ourselves at the core. Otherwise we might fall into bigger problems with burnout and other issues. So I think those are the first two steps. Yeah. yeah. The first one step. Uh, oh, one step. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're right. I You brought up such a great point that being a parent in, in all so much that that is another identity that we can take up. Uh, but it's so important just to, to have something else, to have some space for yourself, uh, especially as single father, single mothers, really, that feels like that's all you are, but you are more than that, right? And it's important to remember that uh, and it'll give you a little sake of mind every, you know, those few moments that you can gather a day, 
that you you just have to yourself. But those are sacred moments, and it's important to remember those. Uh, I really, number two, I what? really like the way you say that. You know, it to truly understand the sacred, and it's not that you have to necessarily be religious, but just to be true to yourself and honor that time. So I really like the way you you explain that. Thanks. Number two is to figure out what you want. Uh, as, you know, uh, as physicians, we want to do medicine our whole lives, and I call it gold medal syndrome. So when people in the Olympics they win the gold medal, then they feel great. They're riding that high for months, and then they're doing interviews, sponsorships, promotions, and after a while, they crash. Right? Because we humans, we need something to be striving for. Uh, and a lot of times, when we get what we want. We need to have something else, right? Something bigger than ourselves. Uh, and very few physicians, I find, really sit down and think about what I want in life. And just as importantly, why do I want that, right? So a lot of us get into real estate and other stuff because we want to be financially secure. But what do you want with life after that? Hopefully you get that fairly soon. But how do you want to spend your time? And just as importantly, it's, the way you get to your end goal is as important as getting to the goal itself. So if you sacrifice your morals or ethics to get to somewhere, it's not going to be happy when you get there. So it's figuring out what you want and why you want. So then you can create that path to getting there. I love that. And it's so important to know where you want to go and why, because otherwise it's one of those things. It's like, if you, you know, if you can drive 200 miles, but if you don't know where you're going, you're going to get just there, right? You'll have no idea where you are. You'll be completely discombobulated and not having made any progress towards your actual goal. So I, I agree completely. So identifying your goals and understanding why those are your goals are just critical to help reduce overwhelm, to have you ha help you have a healthier life and a, a more fulfilled life. Makes perfect sense. Number three, having a way to make decisions, an algorithm, a framework, to make decisions, we have to make hundreds of decisions every day. And what you want is each decision that you're making is steadily making progress towards what you want. Or at least staying neutral, right? Playing video games might be good for your self-care, which I love to do. Okay. But it isn't necessarily moving you towards your goals, but that's fine. But you want to make sure you're not moving away from them right? And a lot of people think of values, right? Core values. And core values are important to think of, but they don't change over your life while who you are and what you want change on a regular basis, right? So someone that values integrity and communication is probably going to value integrity and communication later on. However, what you want as a medical student is probably pretty different as what you want as an attending life, right? Back then, you're going to be willing to sacrifice everything for medicine, right? Same with intern, you're in resident. But now you have all these other roles and responsibilities. So how do you decide if something is worthwhile doing? Uh, and what I like is called guiding principles. Guiding principles are kind of a rule of thumb that you keep six to eight of them and it just helps you decide on what to do. And uh, I just treat it like Google, right? Uh, whatever I have to decide, I put through this algorithm or guiding principles. And I'll give you a quick example. One of mine is called Handle Hard Well. It's by uh, a speech, Carol Lawson of WNBA uh, coach. And she says, over life, life gets harder, right? Intern, your resident, attending life. No one prepared me for how hard attending life is. And same with children, right? The newborn stage, you're dying. And then you have a toddler that can 
almost kill themselves on a daily basis. And then teenagers, right? And it always gets harder. But as a parent, as a doctor, you're expecting life to get easier. I just can't wait till a 10 year life. Can't wait till Indian uh, intern year is over. So it reminds me, hey, life is actually going to get harder. And what happens is you just get better at handling hard well. So I shouldn't put off living my life for some potential time that will be easier in the future. And we know life isn't guaranteed. So for example, uh, I uh, traveled with my nine month old, you know, we were like, hey, it'll be much easier to travel when he's two or three years old. But I was like, no, let's just do it. Let's enjoy ourselves. We were very worried about being that one couple that has the crying kid. And we get on the plane, literally no one else is on board. This full wow. plane flew to Maui. And we were so worried about waking up people uh, that uh, we almost didn't travel, but we had the full flight. So one, it wasn't even uh, an issue, but two, if it had been, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. I would have just walked him up and down the aisle a couple of times, but we have, now we have these amazing memories with my son uh, that we wouldn't have had if I had just worried about life getting easier in the future. So it's, it's very personal, you know, uh, in my course, I have a couple hundred uh, guiding principles that people could steal, but it's just, and it, I didn't even come up with it, right? Someone much smarter than me uh, and strategic uh, created it and I borrowed it. Uh, and I just remind myself, Hey, life is going to get harder. Just handle whatever you're doing now. I really love that because I think it's so important when I see other people that are like, oh, I'm, I'll am i be better when this happens or life will be easier when that happens to, to not, to whether you focus on, it's going to get more difficult or just focus on, I'm going to enjoy today, no matter how difficult today is, because as you said, tomorrow's not guaranteed. So let's, let's make today the present, the gift that it is. But my question also becomes, do you have something in your course that talks about decision fatigue since we make so many? Is there a point where you say, okay, I can't make any more decisions, so let me just stick with neutral for a little while until I, I replenish my stores? Yeah, yeah, I, I think definitely. I, unfortunately, I think a lot of us physicians don't have the option to always just be like, oh, no more nurse phone calls for today, right? right. Uh, and I think what we do and because of having these guiding principles, I think like uh, I don't have to necessarily make, I don't even have to really think about it. And um, I'll tell, I'll give you a step in the next one that completely eliminates having to make the decision at all. Uh, and what that is, so the last one, it's called uh, building the systems and behaviors to get what you want so that you're getting what you want is the default state, you know, not being lazy is the default state, but getting what you want is the default state. And so uh, as much as I'd love to teach you how to build a great habit in the next 30 seconds, uh, one shortcut that I found that works for me is called having rules. Uh, and one rule that I have is that I don't fly past Texas for work without my family. I found oh. that I, for work, for real estate, I kept having to fly and I, you know, I would fly half a day there, half a day back. I'd have to recover. A lot of times I'd get sick, so I wouldn't have to, wouldn't be able to spend time with them. And I, anytime I would get an offer to speak or do something, it would, I would just agonize over it, right? Try to justify it and take up all this mental bandwidth. But having this 
uh, rule. I don't fly past Texas. It's actually made the people that I tell the rule to and say no, because I can't do it. They actually like me even more and more likely to, uh, in, to invite me to things. Another rule that I have is that I don't eat at the hospital. So as you mentioned, I work nights. No one ever brings any salads or carrots or vegetables at night, right? It's always pizza, donuts, candy, cookies. And I just created a rule. Hey, I don't eat at the hospital. And now anytime anyone offers, which is literally every night that I work, I just say, hey, I have this rule. Just like I don't smoke, I don't eat at the hospital. And so every time I walked to the nursing station, I would have to make a decision to not eat, right? I would have decision fatigue or eventually my willpower would lose and I would finally eat something unhealthy. Or I have this rule and I don't even have to think about it at all. Uh, and I'm not saying everything needs to have rules, but there's certain parts that like, I don't want to have to decide to eat at the hospital. I don't want to have to decide to have to travel past Texas for work. It just makes my life so much easier. I really love those. And they're so specific and yet so simple that, that I think that's what makes them perfect. I don't know how you do a 12 hour shift without eating at the hospital, but I'm really impressed that I'm, I'm sure it's helped your health quite a bit. Yeah. I think just eating, I mean, it's, it's eating, uh, off schedule, right. Eating in the middle of night, even if you are fully nocturnal, there's something about the circadian rhythm that your metabolism slows down. It's, uh, plus it's all junk food, right? Cookies, candies, hostess, uh, and, I just eat uh, as a normal diet, right? I eat lunch at lunchtime, I eat dinner at dinner time, and then try to be full so I don't eat. Um, and, you know, it's almost like a, a kind of fasting every night. That's really great. So when you, I guess it's, I don't know whether to go to when and how did you make the rules? Was it part of the the trying to avoid the decision fatigue or were they guiding principles based on your values that you learned worked for you and your family? So what I thought about it was that it there's kind of two ways, right? You could have had a guiding principle or you could have built a habit, right? So I was building a habit to eat healthier and I thought, hey, is there a way I should get short, short circuit or shortcut this? And, and you could have this amazing habit. I don't eat desserts or I don't eat junk food. I don't eat any of this stuff, or I just create a rule and I don't have to waste my limited willpower on something that I don't really care about as much. Cause there's other things like creating the course, like writing, like doing real estate, that's tough to do. And that's where I want to spend my willpower on. Uh, so, uh, you know, as a similar to decision fatigue, you, your willpower is kind of a replenishable source and it's something that could run out over time. So try to figure out, Hey, what is using a lot of my willpower? And is there a way I can totally sh shortcut that or short, short circuit it so that I don't have to use any willpower, but I still get the result that I want. That's really awesome. Would you mind for, for my audience, particularly the single mom physician, um, it seems to me, I know you waited to have children and your student, what I remember you telling me was that your student loan debt was paid off because you really worked almost double time as a nocturnist when you first came out to knock out your student loan debt. I don't remember if you were married already then or not, but can you take us through the process of what it was like coming out of residency with student loan debt to getting where you are now 
kind of like a, a broader timeline for how you get from potentially being overwhelmed, but with you having the entrepreneurial spirit and the interest in so many things, um, possibly avoiding that overwhelm because you knew you had a path to follow. Yeah. Well, so I, I thought back, right. In, in residency, you have, you're used to, at least for medicine residents, you're used to working 26 shifts a month, right? 26, 12 hour shifts. So I thought, Hey, I'm not going to keep that going. Cause that's very likely to lead to burnout, but let me decrease it. Let me decrease it to 20 shifts. And I think there's kind of two options. Uh, there's and Jim Dolly from White Coat Investor, who always talks about living like a resident. Uh, and I got, I started med school a little bit later and I felt like I had delayed gratification enough. I didn't go crazy, but you know, I got a slightly nicer apartment, uh, went on a couple vacations, nothing too crazy. And the other side is work like a resident. So I worked 20 to 22 shifts. Um, and every six months to a year, I would cut down. So now I'm down to 10 shifts and it's less than full time and probably cutting down to eight shifts in the near future. So the first year, first year, year, first year or two out of residency, I think are very important. And I think trying to make as much revenue as you can and uh, trying to decrease your expenses because it's also specialty dependent. So as hospitalists, you make a good incoming salary, but your salary doesn't really go up over time. While specialists... Um, and it's similar to ER where it's just shift work, right? You don't really get a raise or anything uh, as opposed to specialists that they get better skills. They do more procedures in the future and their salary goes up over time. So it was kind of some math on how to do it, pay off my loans, buy some income producing properties, and then be slowly able to to cut down, but you know, it's not without, uh, it's difficulties. Uh, I mentioned this in my talk, uh, at the conference that I was at, uh, that my wife actually had to have an intervention. Uh, she's like, Hey, who are you working so hard for? Right. Because you're sacrificing time now for a potential time future. So I think a lot of us that really focus on, you know, financial independence, retire early, we can really fall down that dark hole of sacrificing time now for a potential time in the future. And it's actually similar to what my dad did. Uh, I never saw my dad as a kid because he was working two jobs to give us a nice middle-class life. He was from a town that didn't have toilets until 1992 in India. Wow. So he was working really hard, but you know, we kids never saw him. And uh, even though I'm very appreciative of him now, we resented him at the time for sacrificing time with us and my mom. It's so nice that you're be able that you're able to have not only a lovely wife who is smart enough to say, okay, who is this really for? And giving you that reality check, but remembering back to when you were a boy and you really just wanted time with your dad and, and not to negate anything that he did for you, because obviously he was sacrificing as well. I bet he'd much rather not do the second job and be playing with you kids, even though I suspect he had a similar life and he probably didn't see his dad very much either. So you are still learning how to be the kind of father you choose to be with your two beautiful little children. I think I think a lot of it is it's so easy to fall into the 
the into the shoes of our parents, right? And carry mm-hmm. things forward. And at some point, uh, and with me, with the help of my wife, it's just breaking that chain, right? Breaking that chain and trying to have a better life for my kids, you know? And of course, that's because of the sacrifice, right? I'm standing on my dad's shoulders, but that's what we want, right? I hope my kids have to work less hard and are happier than I am. So right. I'm willing to make that sacrifice for them. Uh, but it's also a point, right? Like I don't have to make, like, so what if I have to work a couple of years extra? The years now, so my kids are less, are both under two and a half, never going to get these years back. And uh, so it's really important to keep that in mind. And, you know, uh, I wish I could say that was the only conversation like that my wife had with me, but <laughs> it's multiple, right? It's so easy to pick up that extra shift, see that extra patient, you know, work that extra weekend, uh, especially when you get a lot of bonuses and production bonuses and all that stuff, but just so important to have someone. And I call her my anchor, right? She really ties me down. Uh, and, helps me um, remember that because it's it's so easy to really, you know, it's just it's one extra shift, one birthday missed, one baseball game missed, right? But it adds up very quickly. It really does. And and I, I don't allow birthdays to be missed, but I did allow games to be missed. But one of the things I really like is, is that it's for you, I know very well, even though you didn't mention it, you talked about the financial side. I, I know that you also want to be able to help out. So if somebody's in need and the team would be like, you know, it'd be so much easier if you could just do one more admission before you go, um, you would because you're a great guy, you know, and you want to help out the team. So it's not just the financial, it's also the support that you're offering your your colleagues, your patients and your hospital. Totally. And unfortunately, now in medicine, we're just we're seeing a lot of people leave. Uh, and that's why I think it's so important to have some satisfaction outside of work because when your life is so intertwined with medicine, if something goes wrong at work, it feels like something's going on wrong with your life. But because a lot of people are leaving, we're all, we're always short staffed, right? right? Physicians are always short staffed. So it is, you know, it's, you get asked by someone else and you know, it's a zero sum game, right? If you don't do the work, someone else does, but it's just so important to remember like, like your family, right? What you're doing, you have, uh, you have requirements and you have obligations to your family, uh, to try to meet, of course you want to step up and help as much as you can, but not at the sacrifice of your family. I think that's a a great place to put in a new rule, Uh, whether it's, you know, making sure you don't miss the birthdays first and not necessarily pick up extra shifts, but when it can help someone out, maybe see the extra patient. Does does that sound like it would be in line with what you're you're talking about? Totally, totally. And it's it's just taking these and a lot of in the beginning is, and that's why in the worksheet for that lesson on guiding principles, I have a couple hundred in there and it's just being like, which one resonate with me? Then you take it and then you kind of make it your own. Uh, And it's it's so hard. And a lot of the course is trying to give you the infrastructure, the syntax to talk about this stuff, because you all know, you already know what you want on the inside. It's being able to take that out. And a lot of times we've suppressed it for so long, especially the parents of young children, uh, the ones who are the breadwinners. And a lot of times the parents are the breadwinners. You really, you've suppressed everything that you want in life. And, uh, then here's like kind of the tools and tips to really fish it out of yourself. Because in the long run, when you're happy, when you're fulfilling kind of what you want in life, I think 
everyone else will see that and everyone else will benefit as well. That makes perfect sense to me. And I and I know we've talked about these four steps and it seems to me, if I remember correctly, that your your program, is it meant to be five weeks or is it just that it's five weeks of the Facebook group every time you start a new cohort? So it is five weeks. Uh, and the last part for the systems and behaviors, uh, it's so important that I actually split it up into two weeks because I want we really want to build that in so that like every day you wake up and you, by the end of the day, you're like, shoot, I did everything I wanted. Like how often do you have days like that? And how often does it feel easy? Right. Because a lot of times you're like, at least this happens to me before I like throughout the day. And I was like, shit, like I didn't get anything done. Like I didn't get any of the things that I wanted to get done. And you're like, okay, tomorrow, the same, right? Life hits you, your kids hit you, um, and they spend time with you. And I, I think that's important, but it's having these systems, having an intentional life. Uh, it's able, you know, we all have the same 24 hours, but some people are able to get so much more done. And I'm not, you know, all of us have different resources and consequences of life. But what I want is really just to be the best version of myself. And the course is really there to help you be that. That's great. How do you overcome the initial reluctance? Because everything else is obviously awesome. But is it the time audit that you have people do to, to show them that they actually can make time for the course on top of everything else they're doing in their day? So exactly. So the the it, it's kind of like a this is based on a, a food journal that I had to do. So uh, I try to stay relatively fit. I eat healthy, and I hired a dietitian just to really take myself to the next level. And she said, "Hey, why don't you keep a food journal?" I was like, "No, no, no, no. I'm a doctor. Like I I know exactly what I'm eating. I'm going to tell you all the calories. I'll tell you all the macros. Like I'll figure it out." She's like, "Okay, I know you're really smart." Like, please, this is just for me. This is for all my all my clients that are not doctors. I was like, okay, I will do it just to appease you. What do you think happened? I think you were eating a lot more in different things than you thought you were. <laughs> you are 100% right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, kudos to her for not being smug about it. Uh, she was like, oh, how surprising. I had no idea. <laughs> what a nice uh, and, lady you had. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, you know, just like we we just eat all this extra junk, right? Um, and we don't even realize it. It's like in our mouth and in our belly before we even realize it. And the same thing with time. So uh, I, you know, I did the time audit and uh, I spent a lot of time on Reddit, uh, which is a social media website, but it was five to 10 hours a week. Wow. Right? I knew I spent some time on it, but I spent a lot of time. That's a full work day. I actually had one of my students do this. Uh, and she realized even at work, she was super efficient. She was checking, she was changing tasks very often. She was uh, going to all these meetings that she didn't have to go to. And she she's RVU based and she got enough RVUs in just one busy day for 700 bucks. Uh, wow. And that was just one day, right? That's a one-time thing. And most importantly, she was home for dinner. So she was saying bye to all her colleagues. They were like, what the heck is going on? Like, how are you done already? Like they had assumed she didn't do any of the extra work for the additional RVUs, but no, she had done it all 700 bucks. Uh, and so it's, it's just so illuminating uh, by looking at our calendars, by doing a time audit that time just passes us by. And we have so much extra time to do 
and I'm, I'm not saying you have to work more like she did. I'm saying maybe you pick up gardening like I have. Maybe you pick up something else or maybe you start spending some more time with your kids uh, that you didn't think you had before. I just, I'm like laughing out loud inside that you've picked up gardening on top of everything else that you're doing. So yes. is it even My possible that you've made a list recently to say, okay, this is how much I'm doing. All right. So I'm just doing physician because that's first as, as far as I knew you. So physician, real estate mogul, uh, entrepreneur with your real estate job. Okay. In addition to your real estate, you're a husband, you're a dad twice over, you're a teacher, you're a nocturnal hospitalist. Uh, now you garden. So probably in, in the next two or three years, you'll be a master gardener knowing you, because huh. if you're going to do something, you're all in, right? Uh, you stay fit and healthy. What else is there? And obviously uh son. Son, uh, I do consulting, uh, and I, I think it's 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 so overwhelming when you think about all of that separately, you know. And so, in my talk, so I had a slide, of course, you know, I had to, you have to brag a little bit so people don't think I'm just some homeless person that they picked up off the street. <laughs> But I also have a ton of failures, right? I started a blog um, that I spent hundreds of hours on and didn't really get any traction. I got a master's degree in medical administration. I spent $50,000 in two years uh, and I don't do any administration. I actually asked for a demotion so I can do less administrative work. Uh, so it was you know, completely wasted. I am- I'll Wait, also wait, a... wait, completely yeah. wasted. Aren't we talking about transferable skills though? With the other things, don't you think that something you learned in your master's is helping your entrepreneurial journey? Uh, maybe, prob probably maybe. not. I, oh, you know, okay. uh, because at that point I had been an entrepreneur for five years. Okay. So, uh, I, I was kind of teaching them a lot of stuff, uh, and because it's, it, it's a lot of administrative work. So it was like kind of a MBA slash medical administration. So I learned a lot. Of, I had actually been doing medical administration for three years um, right. at the time. So didn't learn a ton of new stuff. It was also during COVID. So oh. our classes were kind of shortened and stuff. So. Okay. Cause I got my master's in medical management and didn't then did the executive certificate, the mini MBA. Yeah, so yeah. It's like, even though I didn't necessarily use that by becoming the chief of a hospital, you know, I've been a program director and I know that it's still benefiting other people because I knew it, or at least can talk their language when we're doing it. I just wanted to make sure you're not under, uh, underselling. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, yeah, do don't undersell cool... and, and you deserve all the kudos still. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, uh... And then I'm I'm I have a podcast from MD to entrepreneur, but I'm gonna rebrand it because there you know there's not a ton of physician entrepreneurs, and I actually think there's a much greater need for uh, I'm calling it what you didn't learn in med school with a lot of skills that regular everyday doctors need don't that who aren't necessarily going to be entrepreneurs. So I don't want them to kind of limit themselves by not being like, oh, I'm not going to be an entrepreneur. I don't need to listen to this podcast. So, you know, I've had steps forward, steps backwards. And I think it's really important to focus on the setbacks because they're going to come to everyone. Right. And uh, it, I wish I could go in a straight line. Um, and I, I actually had this as one of my slides. Uh, most people kind of zoom out and they see my life as like straight and up to the right. But um, most of us know that it's kind of a little wiggly line that goes eventually to the up, but I'd say my life is really more like, you know, a bunch of false starts and finally Aww. going 
going in the direction I want, but, you know, just like, like, for example, my blog, like it taught me how to write a lot better and I actually can write a lot quicker. Um, similar to my master's program, I had to do a lot of writing. Now I'm very good uh, at writing quickly, which I have to do pretty often. Uh, so, you know, it's always something, uh, it's a very extensive lesson, but always something you could take from whatever you do. Yeah. And it's important that the persistence, especially in in line with a specific goal, even though you didn't necessarily know that you'd be creating multiple courses and helping so many people in this particular way, that you were able to still take the next step forward and make such great progress. Because is this, so the current one, is it the second course you've created in addition, in addition to working with Peter and Myth on the Real Estate Academy? Yeah, yeah. So this is the second uh, course. The first one, as you mentioned, Passive Real Estate Academy teaches doctors to find syndications and vet them and invest in them. Uh, and then this one is to really figure out what you want and build the systems to get it. Right. And can you tell us again the name of this new course? Yeah, it's called the Effective Living Formula. Great, because I, I knew the ELF, but actually T-E-L-F, right? Yeah, T-E-L-F. yeah, yeah, because people kept calling it ELF, and I was like, hmm, it's very Telf. Christmassy, so uh, yeah, TELF. Yeah, TELF. <laughs> and are you doing it every five weeks, or do you think you'll do it four times a year, like Real Estate Academy is usually twice a year, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, I think I'm, uh, so I'm doing it right now. It actually, uh, uh, the cart closes on 928 Uh tomorrow Mm -hmm. uh and uh depending on when this airs uh and then the next time i think i'm going to do it in january because a lot of us have you know their new year's resolutions um and uh really want to provide assistance because uh i think a lot of times we don't know we get excited we get a lot of uh you know, I call it drinking from the nectar of awesomeness that is other physicians, but then we don't know where to start. Right. So if they don't get in this time, then they can get in the next. So you'll, definitely, you'll continue definitely. to do it. Excellent. Yeah. 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 Always and, adding stuff. You know, I, I refilm so far, I've been refilming it every time. I have a bunch of cool mo- bonus modules on AI, on productivity, on how to say no. Um, I find, uh, especially women physicians that I've worked with a lot, uh, have a lot of issues saying no to people um, and often to the detriment of our own lives. I think you're so right. And it's funny because again, there's so many similarities between your course and ours and and the time audit, the money audit. For us, it's also looking at all the relationships in our lives, but the ability to say no, because that means you're saying yes to something else is is really a critical issue. Anything that I haven't covered with you that you think is important for single mom physicians to know? Just remember that you're amazing, right? The fact that uh, you are juggling everything that you're doing. I think a lot of times we just see, we see the bad or we see where we want to go and we kind of beat ourselves up for it. Uh, but just taking a second every so often be like, hey, I'm a badass. Uh, the fact that you're doing something, a lot of times, so I have my wife um, and we have two kids and we we feel like we're just riding water. Like and a lot of times drowning in all the work that we have to do. Uh, and a lot of times we wonder if we're good parents. And I think just taking a second, not just single moms, but single dads and everyone else, just taking a second, like, hey, I'm doing okay. Like, I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing the best I can. And uh, I think that'll just help you so much uh, taking that second for yourself. As always, I think that's great inspiration and and great wisdom. So I hope that, that my listeners will look up Dr. Pranay Parikh and the effective lifestyle formula. 
Um, and I'll make sure that the link to it is in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me. I know you're on nights right now, so it was a big deal to me that you took the time mid-afternoon to join us. Thank you so much. Thanks. Have a good one. Thank you. For joining us for this episode of Single Mom MD. When you think of additional topics that you would like covered on this podcast, contact me via social media at Single Mom MD. To join the Single Mom MD community, click on the link below for regular engagement and personalized attention to your questions. We look forward to welcoming you into this community where courses and coaching renew your mindset and can change your life. Pick up our article, Genius Things to Do on Sunday, for a successful week at work at singlemommd.org backslash moms.